is the yellow name. You like this idea, who cares? Well, anyway, it, it's, it shows this piece of amber, and it shows that a bizarre spider-like creature has been just discovered in Southeast Asia, having been encased in amber uh, some 100 million years ago, and might be more terrifying than any of the creepy crawlies lurking in the dark corners of their basement. Oh, what? And then they went from spiders to spider-like creatures. Well, they're saying that this particular bug is part spider and part scorpion. <laughs> and when I looked at this article and I'm looking at the picture and I'm thinking, now this has got to be blown up. Because, you know, I can't see any bugs in my amber, but this, this has to be blown up, well, I don't know how many times. How do they know that a scorpion panda right. spider didn't fall into the same piece of amber? Right, they don't know. And they make these generalizations as if it's fact. And that's what irritates me about. So it says, this article says, that the discovery could help close major gaps in our understanding of spider evolution. Eh, no such thing. An evolutionary development biologist at the University of Wisconsin in Madison who was not involved in the work made that statement. Yeah, well, there's all the statements, but it won't be evolution. If anything, it would be selective breeding. You know, you have plants, animals that are bred in isolation. They have unique characteristics. Those same characteristics could be lost in a couple of generations if you know they are allowed to mingle outside of their habitat. So there's no such thing as evolution. And that's silly. I don't know. They say that it's got this segmented abdomen and a long tail like a whip scorpion's whip. It might be uh, just a specific type of insect that is not extinct. I mean, that's just silly to try to generalize and, and carry that over to all spiders or all scorpions. Or it could be just two bugs maybe, yes, maybe just in one to piece the of world. amber. Yeah, drop of amber and over the years, a hundred million years, come on, a hundred million years, it just sort of merged into one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought this was funny, but I, you know, this has got to be blown up I don't know how many times because in, I've got big pieces of amber but um, and some small pieces, but um, it's really hard to see anything. I mean, you see little specks in there, so I can't imagine right. how they had to magnify this. Anyway, moving on. Kanye West, somebody sent me this article about Kanye West, and he joins the stadium prayer rally with some of America's most anti-LGBTQ activists. The group has been intimately tied to Russia and has a deep kinship with the Putin border on hero worship. So uh, Kanye West announced he will appear at Awaken 2020, a stadium-sized prayer rally hosted by some of the nation's most anti-LGBTQ religious conservatives. After his announcement, so many people rushed online to get free tickets to the event that the group's website crashed. So, um, why? I don't agree. Well, I, I don't know. I guess there are a lot of anti-LGBTQ activists out there who want to see Kanye West. I guess so. I guess so. Okay. Anyway, I don't know. Going on. It says, um, 
sent me this article too, and it was about a Fuller Theological Seminary. And this um, seminary, they say, is discriminating against LGBTQ people. A second student joins a lawsuit alleging that they're discriminating against LGBTQ people because um, this person says he was expelled from the Christian school for being in a same-sex marriage. No. The suit claims that the Pasadena-based seminary violated federal rules barring discrimination against students on the basis of sex. And it's asking the court for more than $1 million in awards for each of the two plaintiffs who are both represented by Portland, Oregon-based lawyer Paul Southwick. So they're saying the religious institution, if it's in their bylaws, somehow the religious institution isn't exempt. They have to bend their religious beliefs according to man-made law. Some religious schools do have exemptions from the regulations known as Title IX, but Fuller is not among them, the suit says. Um, because they didn't apply for it or they don't qualify. I'm wondering why they would not be exempted if they're seminary. What Fuller has uh, created is a community of diverse religious backgrounds where all people of all races, genders, and sexual orientations attend school. That's part of what attracts people to a place like Fuller. It's not a Baptist seminary or a Catholic seminary. It's an interdenominational so seminary. So people from all walks and all backgrounds, what was their reasoning? What did they say they expelled the person for? Because if they if they're acknowledging the fact that well, they, they said it because of a same-sex marriage. But they just said that they uh, accept people from all walks of life. So that's weird. I don't understand it. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. But I, but to me, it's hypocritical to have uh, a, a school that accepts any and everything. You know, if that's what you and if that's what you base your uh, policies on, then. They should not have expelled the person. Well, here, it, uh, Fuller, the largest interdenominational seminary in the country, accepts federal funding and doesn't have appropriate religious exemptions. And the attorney argues that it is subject to the same regulations as non-religious colleges and universities, and those regulations would bar the schools from expelling someone for being in a same-sex Especially if they just made the statement that they accept people from all walks of, of life, but I, I would be. I, I don't I, know. I, I could I, be. I can't understand being part of a school that claims that they stand for one thing the and then they do something else. Right. Oh, but the it's, word of God, they can't be basing it there. It's like mixing apples and oranges. Right. They can't be basing their policies on God's word. So they might as well take the couple back. <laughs> they have standing for anything to me that. I don't I don't understand. I never heard of um I don't know. How I, I you're right, I, I guess I don't understand how that can be, because it's clear in the word. Right. Um, unless who knows what kind of Bible they're using. I mean I don't I'm kind of <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um the Supreme 
court battle over school choice may boost religious freedom. In Washington, three moms from Montana will be at the Supreme Court on uh, the, well, the end of January. I guess it happened already, I don't know. What they're fighting over may seem small. A discontinued state program that offered $150 tax credits to help spur $500 tuition scholarships. But the stakes are high for both sides in the national debate over public aid for religious schools. Conservative groups flooded the high court with arguments supporting that the Montana Parents' Clause, having sought, long sought legislative backing for voucher and tax credit programs, they see the case as a judicial promised land. On the other side, our teachers, unions, and civil rights groups worried that if the floodgates open for religious school funding, public schools will suffer. A ruling for Mon the Montana moms say would violate the Constitution's principle of separation of church and state. Me personally, I don't think people really understand what that means, separation of church and state. I don't think it means what everybody says it does. Right. You know. This is not anywhere in any official document. It doesn't happen to be in a letter that someone sent someone and somehow it's been interpreted that way. But I, um, I, I don't know. They're already pulling from public schools to private schools to charter schools. You know, public, what they should do is increase the funding for public schools regardless. Instead and I pulling from you them. know, personally, just my personal opinion, I think people flock to, to private schools because I guess they have quality teachers. I guess they have they probably discipline. Have, they have. They probably have it in public schools if they will stop uh, tampering with, I guess, regulations that tie teachers' hands. Yes, because uh, that's what a lot of teachers are really fighting fighting for, like school funding, the resources, and if the the policies behind it, they will stop, you know, gutting the public school system or the resources then public schools will have good quality teachers and quality resources that can be able to help right. the children in need. Right. I think the fault is that they're pulling monies from public schools and they shouldn't. I mean, if they want to give money for scholarships for private or religious organizations, it should come from a separate funding source. It shouldn't come out of the public schools funding. Mm. We'll find out later what happens. So this article came from CBS News. And I didn't hear this on CBS News, um, but it says that the Washington National Cathedral held a ceremony recently to bless an official King James Bible to be used to swear in commanders of newly formed Space Force. Now, a religious freedom group is condemning the blessing as a violation of Church. <laughs> separation of church and state. Just because I want God's blessing right. on what I do, it right. doesn't mean that yeah. I'm violating something. And I feel like you're violating my rights by telling me I, I can't get the blessing. Yeah, they just got to find something to tamper with them or somebody to mess with. Yeah, were they successful in blocking Well, we've been asked to dedicate the new Bible that will be used in... Um, when Major General John William Raymond will be sworn in as the first chief of space operations. And then 
shortly thereafter, the, the Bible will be taken into space. Well, I don't see anything wrong with that either. Right. A spokesman, a spokesperson for the cathedral confirmed that the Bible was used and was already used in the swearing-in of General Raymond, and it was donated by the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. And it says, May this Bible guard and guide all those who purpose that the final frontier be a place where God will triumph over evil, where love will triumph over hate, and where life will triumph over death. And that was the prayer. Right. After the blessing, you know, they welcomed visitors and described the cathedral as a house of worship for all people. And um, the Military Religious Freedom Foundation issued a statement, said that it received complaints from members of the military, veterans, and civilians. And you know, when I read that blessing, I'm thinking, the people that are complaining, I guess they don't want anyone to triumph over evil. They don't want love to triumph over hate. And they don't want life to triumph over death. Right. Because what, what do you want? Right. What the heck do you want? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. You want evil? You want hate? You want death? Right. Oh, I don't know. I'm it's speechless. I'm just... the baby with the bathwater. <laughs> it makes no sense. I don't understand. So if the complaints fail to end the use of the Bible for military swearing and swear ceremonies, it will bring its case to federal court in North, Northern Virginia. It argues that the usage of a Christian Bible in this manner violates the First Amendment's separation of church and state. I think it doesn't violate uh, church and state. I think it has to be personal preference. And if the person does not want to be sworn in by use of the Bible, that's their personal preference. But if the person prefers to be sworn in with the Bible, that's their choice and their right to make that choice. It says that there is a historical tradition of chiefs of staffs of the Air Force swearing in using a Bible purchased by the first CSAF General Carl A. Space, but there is no requirement to do so. Right. This historical tradition is only related to the swearing in of a new service chief and does not extend to any other personnel. There is no official religious or other sacred text, nor is there any requirement for any member to use a sacred or religious text during swearing-in ceremonies. Right. They just are blessing the Bible. They're just blessing. It's a blessing. Right. But if the person prefers not to have that blessing, they have that, that right. Right. And, 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 and it's not saying. Who are, who are we? Uh, somebody there to stand and say, well, you can't get blessed. They're not saying that God. the entire right. military must use the Bible. Right. You must pray the Bible. You must read the Bible. Right. The entire, all the veterans must do that. It doesn't say that. Right. It gives you your choice. Anyway, moving on. So I got this article a while ago, and it said that uh, 42 0.4 million babies were killed by abortion in 2019. I believe it. It's probably understated. Well, it could be. So, in 2019, all these 42.4 million pregnancies ended in abortion. Now, that's just abortion alone. Now, now, this is what I'm thinking. They don't know what, what great leader, what scientist, what, you know, what musician, what poet, they don't know 
who they cure? The cure for the doctor who has a cure for cancer, right. or the researches research person who right the genius you know the mathematical genius the the artist they have no idea they just take an innocent life and end it. There's a lot of precious you know talent weight that's that's gone to waste. Right. That, that reminds me of a, a story I read once about um, things going to waste. And the article was talking about how the cemetery is filled with people who could have written books or people right. who could have um, got cures for diseases and sicknesses, people who, who were about to do something, but then they died because... They didn't either have the courage or their lives were snuffed out before it, their time. And it's just a treasure trove. The cemeteries are a treasure trove of all these people that could have done something. Right, at least they had the opportunity. But the innocent life, they, they, they don't have a chance. They're not even given the opportunity to fail. Anyway, I thought about that article about all those millions of babies aborted and when Trump vowed support for anti-abortion movement at the March for Life rally recently and he's the first president that even appeared at the rally, first president ever that showed up at um, right, I the rally in Washington. He can be a knucklehead for some things but some things that he really really feels strongly about he does Stand up for it. Yeah, some things you can't credit him for that, like the standing up for religious rights and then standing up for pro-life and stuff yeah. like that. I can credit him for that. He says that together we are the voice for the voiceless. When it comes to Democrats, and you know this, you've seen what's happened. Democrats have embraced the most radical and extreme positions taken and seen ever seen in this country for years and decades, and you can even say for centuries. Trump said, nearly every top Democrat in Congress now support taxpayer-funded abortion all the way up until the moment of birth. And I don't like that going towards abortion. Now, this article says that Trump's claim is false, although Democrats generally favor looser abortion laws, and several states now allow, you know, late-term abortions, but they don't occur up until the moment of birth. Well, you know, you don't know what the doctor's doing in that, hmm? Right, and besides that, if, if they can survive on his own, there's just no way that they should be taking his life. That's crazy. Dr. Sue said a person's a person, no matter how small, so it can be a baby, it's still a person, That's it's right. still a life. Yes. And then this article was sent to me about Betsy DeVos compares abortion to slavery. And Anaya Presley invites her to say it to my face. <laughs> Secretary of Education and Cruella DeVille, you know who that is in, the, in that movie? Um, who was she in that movie? Dalmatians. Yeah, she. Oh, 101 Dalmatians. Yeah. yeah. Stunt double Betsy DeVos has shown us time and time again that she isn't the brightest crayon in the box. We've seen her struggle to answer the most basic questions about education and even declared that she does not intentionally 
visit schools that are underperforming, making it pretty clear that she doesn't know much about schools at all. But because why should she? She's the only person put in charge of the quality of our schools. But white conservative density is something I can handle. It's even a thing I usually find comical. I mean, not so much when the dem demonstrably dumb person is in control of education policy, but other times, what are they saying? That the person who's in charge of this, the Secretary of Education doesn't know what she's doing. Okay. She doesn't have any... So she compared, because she compared abortion to slavery? Is she the one that compared abortion to slavery? Yeah. for thought. 